0: Thank you for listening to the Collective Church podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. Right now, Collective is fully online, so if you like the podcast, make sure to check us out on Facebook at My Collective Church on Sunday mornings at 9.25 a.m. for Collective Online. We would love for you to join us. A lot of big things are going on at Collective, so make sure not to miss a week this fall, as we will be sharing about how God is moving in our church and what is next for Collective. Now, let's get into today's message. Good morning, Collective. My name is CT. I'm one of our leaders here. I'm on the management team. And occasionally on days like today, I get to preach as well. So let's get after it. If you were with us last week, Michael, our lead pastor, shared a story from when we were in college together. I was hiding in the orange construction barrel. He and friends had water balloons ready to pelt the security guard as he came up. What he didn't tell you is while I was in that orange construction barrel, the security guard got out of his car, starts to make a phone call. And as I'm listening to this phone call, it's very evident that he is on the phone with the police and he has invited them to campus to help take care of this problem. Wait, that's me. I'm this problem. And so my heart starts pounding, and I can hear my heart pounding on the walls of my orange construction barrel because I know I have give or take eight minutes before the police show up on campus. So I grab my walkie talkie that I have and I just start whispering, God. in hopes that somebody will hear me. A couple of minutes passed by, and I heard some type of commotion. So I throw up my barrel. I see the security guard. I throw my barrel at him, and then I run away, incredibly thankful to make it back to the dorms, back to safety, as the sirens are heard in the distance. And you would think a lesson like that, where it was cut that close to getting in trouble, would make me thankful enough to stop that behavior, but it didn't. The next time we were messing with security, I was right out there in the middle of the pack. And unfortunately, lasting permanent change can be hard to do. But that's what we want to dig into today. How can we, you and I, create a culture of lasting change for attitude and gratitude in our life? How can we make thankfulness a habit regardless of life circumstances? And here's something I want to talk about straight off of the top. If we put into practice this message today, good things and bad things are still going to happen to us and to the people we care about. That's life and we cannot alter life. Life circumstances don't change, but our perspective can. Let's transition a little bit. I've told you before in the past, my favorite book of the Bible is Genesis, the very first one. Normally when I read Genesis, I read the entire book and then I skip over to the next good section of the Bible. But for whatever reason, the last time I read Genesis, I finished and then I just kept going. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And now I'm on the fifth book of the Bible. And these five, these first five books of the Bible are wildly important. We don't have time to dig into why, but the basic story of these five books of the Bible, God has selected a chosen group of people And these people are called the Israelites. And Israelites have become slaves to a cruel Pharaoh, think king, and a guy named Moses is chosen by God to rescue his people from the Pharaoh and lead them out of slavery. And so that's exactly what Moses does, and he leads them out of slavery. But because of their sin, instead of inheriting the land that God gave them, They have to spend 40 years wandering the desert. 40 years is longer than I've been alive. Back in 1980, Star Wars was cool. Okay, bad example. Somehow Star Wars still is cool, but the Rubik's Cube was invented and according to FrederickMD.gov, the median average value of a home in our county 40 years ago Was $62,806. Ouch. Now, at times, the story of God's chosen people is fascinating poisonous snakes, near death experiences, close encounters with God. But also, at times, honestly, it's just boring. And I've spent the last few months both gripped with excitement and slogging through some really heavy stuff trying to avoid the temptation to just skip to the next good part. But now these 40 years are over and their leader Moses, who can't enter the promised land, is addressing the Israelites. This is his final message to his people before he dies. This is a big moment. Moses, for the few decades before his entire life's purpose, has been getting the Israelites to this point. And with this message, he is transferring leadership to another guy. He knows that the Israelites are going to inherit that promised land. They're going to leave him behind and he's going to die. And this all brings us to Deuteronomy, specifically chapter 8 in Deuteronomy. And I love this message so much that I haven't gotten done with the rest of the book yet because I keep rereading this chapter. So God tells them through Moses, he's about to give them some really cool stuff. Check out verses seven and eight of Deuteronomy chapter eight. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, flowing streams, pools of water, fountains, springs that gush out in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, honey, now, I'll be honest, I don't know what barley is, but it must be something cool because God was giving it to them. But did you catch that? God's giving them pomegranates. Like, okay, God, that's Boogie. We about to be high up on the hog. Sorry, translation. We're about to be living that good life, baby. That's like busting out the finest for other people when they come over to your house. You ever go to somebody's apartment or house and they just have pomegranates chilling on the counter? First of all, you have to know what they look like. And second of all, it's like, kids, you better behave because we're trying to get invited back here because this food is going to be banging. I mean, you know why people don't buy pomegranates in bulk. They can either buy pomegranates or they can send their kids to college, but they can't do both. But God wants to provide this for his people. He wants to give his people good things. And for us this morning, this is just beginning to whet our appetite as we have a deeper craving to learn more about this message of gratitude. And for us, this is where the story gets really good and where we take on our main course, verses 10 through 14. Let's check these verses out. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous, have built fine homes to live in, your flocks and your herds have become large, your silver and gold is multiplied, along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. We know that God is about to give them good food to eat for the first time in 40 years, real, legit, good food. But when you eat that food and when you are satisfied, don't forget about God. Remember to follow God's guidelines and plan for your life. Also remember, stay humble. When you eat, when you build your house, when you get money, stay true to me, God says. I've talked in the past about how I lived in East Tennessee for a number of years. And when I lived down there at the church that I went to, I volunteered with our middle school and high school students. And I would talk to the other volunteers, the really old ones that were like in their 30s and 40s. And we'd be talking about life and they would ask me what was going on. And I'd say, me and some friends just drove seven hours one way to a concert. We crushed it up this mountain just to watch the sunrise. I'm off to Florida for spring break. I'm planning this mission trip to East Africa. And I'd ask them and it'd be like, uh, eh, you know, kids are good. Wife's good. Job's good. Oh, but I did trim the bushes at my house this weekend. So, you know, that was exciting. And I can vividly remember thinking, you are so boring. Your life sounds terrible. I never want that to be me. And this is kind of in modern day terms, what Moses is talking about. Moses is telling the people, hey, when you have a job, when you get some money, when you have a house and you start to build wealth, for some of us, this sounds familiar. For some of us, this is the dream that we're holding on to. But what Moses is talking about 100% defines me. I'm at this point in life. I even trimmed the bushes at my new house this week. I have turned into that boring old person. But Moses, in one of the last things that he says to the Israelites and to us, don't value your stuff more than you value following God. Don't settle down. Don't dig your roots so deep that you forget to follow me. What's really cool is we hear this awesome message from Moses about faithfulness and not forgetting what God has done. And one interpretation that applies is what we're talking about, is building forever a life of gratitude not built on life circumstances. And I love the message. I really do love it. But one big disconnect that I have that I wish Moses, Moses would have addressed is why and how? I've been saying prayers for our family lately and I'm asking God, hey, will you turn us into a Deuteronomy chapter eight family? Yes, we want some of the nice things in life, but in spite of all that, help us to remember where those things come from and to keep ourselves rooted in you. God, would you do that for us? But I don't know why and I don't know how to live that life of gratitude. The past two Sundays, our lead pastor, Michael, has told us all about the mental and physical benefits of living out a life of gratitude. You're more happy happy, and you're more healthy. We all want that, no matter who we are. So I get the why, but then I come back to the how. Like Moses, great message, dude, I'm on board, I want that. But how do I do that? And for some of us, How do I teach that to my family? I know my kids have too many toys. It grates my gears when we waste so much food. I so badly want to get on my high horse and say, if you only knew about those kids in East Africa. But already that's met with blank stares and side glances. Maybe that sounds familiar. So what I've learned is if I really want my family to have a life of being forever grateful and living that out, it really comes down to two things. The first is I am the example. I do not like this one. I even thought about leaving it out of the message because this is automatic accountability for me. It doesn't matter if you're single, married, with kids, can't wait for your kids to be out of the house, love Jesus or don't love Jesus. This applies to all of us today. We all have somebody who's watching how we live. At work, at home, with our friends. Yes, even at church too. And if you notice, just a minute ago, I went straight to my kids and their toys and their food waste. That's all too common in my life and maybe it is in yours as well. I look around at the people around me and I see what's wrong with them. But when I hold up that mirror, it's like, dang, I'm looking good. Take a closer look. Much as I like to think I ain't got any blemishes, I do. Man, it get dark so early now as compared to Thank you for this awesome weather that we've been having lately. (sighs) Daycare is still closed. They just told us it's closed again for the spring semester. I don't know what we're supposed to do. How are we supposed to keep doing this? Versus, God, thank you for this gift of more time with my kids that I'll never be able to get back. And thank you for the gift of not having to pay for daycare. Dude, seriously, how long is it going to take to get tested? I'm not wasting my whole day on this. This is ridiculous. Versus I got tested and the test came back negative and I'm healthy. Okay, God, I get it. Not fun. Take the mirror away. You proved your point. But what about you? What's your gratitude story? And some of you may be thinking (laughs) you want me to be thankful. That's funny, man. You want me to be thankful. My hours have gotten cut back. We are financially stressed at our house. Our kids' school situation is just causing tension for everyone. I'm lonely. I don't have people to hang out with nearly as much as I wanted to. I didn't get to take that trip and don't even get me started on Thanksgiving and Christmas this year and how Corona is ruining that. And you want me to be thankful. Yeah, I do. Again, life circumstances don't change, but our perspective can. Life without daycare in our household is hard. We have two girls at home, four and two, and they're home all day long with us. Both my wife and I have jobs, full-time jobs, and it's a little bit stressful in our house. But we haven't paid for daycare in eight or nine months. That's a fat stack of cash. Or about a dozen pomegranates. Make this personal. You are somebody's example. Somebody is watching your life right now. How are you showing gratitude? Or maybe the better question is, before we started this series, how were you showing gratitude? A good place to start is with the mundane. Thank God for the mundane in your life. In our house, one of our most common prayers is God, thank you for this comfortable mattress and pillow that I get to sleep with every single night. Did your car start yesterday? Got clothes to wear? A couch to sit on? You get the idea. Discipline starts small, so start small. Tell God every day one thing that you are thankful for. If you have kids, at dinner time or at the end of the day, ask them what made them smile that day and marvel at their responses. Text one person this week, every single day this week, and telling that person why you are thankful for them. And then make it a regular rhythm and a part of your life. If you've ever been in a household that does the pre-meal prayer because they love God, You've probably been there, and yes, sometimes if this is not your culture or if you don't love Jesus, it can be a little bit awkward. But the act of praying before the meal is the constant reminder, God gives us the job, which allows us to have the money, which allows us to have the food that is right here in front of us. And I don't want to forget that bigger perspective, and so I'm thankful before every meal. The next point is, we learn through experience. And this pains me because I am a professor by trade. Experience is a much better teacher than I am. Here's my proof. Probably like some of you, this summer, I was home with our girls as a professor. I had the summer off. I was home with our girls, scorching hot outside, trying to figure out what to do. Our girls are coloring and they're making pictures with their crayons and their markers. And our oldest, our four-year-old says, hey, we should go deliver this letter to this card to fill in the blank. And it clicked. I said, that's a great idea. And she was super excited to get in the car and go. I thought it was a great idea because in my mind, I was saying, if I do this right, hit enough red lights, we'll get back just in time for lunch and nap time, and then the morning's over. And so we went and we delivered this card that she had colored and we gave it to this person and they were overjoyed to receive it. And I thought, this is great. My kids are happy. I'm happy. This is awesome. So the next Monday we did the same thing. And they were still just as happy to do it. And that's how our Monday morning happy cards tradition started at our house. We've done this for people in our church, done this for our church staff. We just did this for our local bank teller who helped us secure our down payment and submit the wire transfer as we bought a house. Our girls are learning much better than in a way that I can tell them what gratitude and thankfulness look like and how to live that out every single week. This leads straight into the next point, which means experience needs regular rhythm. Experience needs regular rhythm. I'm just going to share a few brief ways in which you can incorporate in big and little ways thankfulness into your life. The first one is go home and look at your closet. You're already at home. We're all at home. But look at your closet. If you're like me, systems, order, processes, you hang up all of your clothes the exact same way and it drives you crazy when it's the opposite. So this winter season, every time you wear something and wash it, hang it up the opposite direction. It'll drive you nuts, but you'll notice it. At the end of the winter season, whatever is not hung up in a way that drives you crazy, you haven't worn, so therefore give it away. In 2021, commit to writing a letter every month to somebody. Showing gratitude, showing thankfulness. Buy stamps, put it in the mail. People love to get real mail. Next, there's an organization called Compassion International where you can sponsor a child for a monthly fee in a developing country and that child will get food, they'll get education, and they will learn about Jesus. Sponsor a child at your birthday. If you have kids, sponsor a child at one or in the middle of all of your kids' birthdays. I have a friend who gave me this idea, and for each of his three children, they have a compassion child on their children's birthday, so they're learning from a very early age, my birthday isn't just about what I get, but it's also about what I'm giving to our family member in this developing country. Go crazy with this one. Start planning and saving now. When that child turns 18, go to that country, visit them and learn about their culture. How about a free one after all that money? Start a journal. Start a gratitude journal. Write down things every day or every week that you are thankful for and periodically reflect back to see what you've been thankful for in the past. Do what I call tech-free Tuesday. Pick a night of the week, throw your phone in the room and leave it there. Shut off the TV screen and find ways to live out gratitude and thankfulness instead of consumption. Memorize some or all of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Write it down. Make it a quote. Put it on your mirror. Hang it on your wall. And then the last one here is let gratitude become regular service and generosity to other people. And there's endless ways that you can do that. Let me close this morning, first of all, by reading Deuteronomy 8, 15 through 18. This is Moses again. Do not forget that he, God, led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions, where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. Another way of looking at this from a different part of the Bible, a book called 1 Thessalonians, verse five eighteen, it tells us, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. We're all in a season. For some of us, it's hot, dry. We're in the middle of the desert and right around us, we have poisonous snakes and scorpions. We know that the promised land is somewhere, but we can't picture it getting any further away than what it is right now. For some of us, we're in a season of cool streams and pomegranates by the bunches. Either way, a lifestyle of gratitude doesn't change life circumstances, but it does change our perspective. Let's pray. God, thank you for the life of Moses, for the book of Deuteronomy, to where we can look back on a story from so long ago and find ways that it connects right now with our life. God, I pray that you give us the courage to start and to continue ways individually, as a family, as a small group, as a church, to incorporate gratitude and thankfulness into our life. God, we are ultimately thankful that your son died on the cross for us and that is the perfect example of where gratitude comes from. Thanks for this day, God. Thanks for this series. Help us to live this message out and help it to change lives along the way. It's in your son's name. Amen.